Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Inside the Archives. I am your host, Marty Rosenbaum, XRT's digital content producer and all things social media. Today's episode, we're going to be talking with the Ben Zobrist of XRT. No, not Ben Zobrist of the Chicago Cubs, although that would be really cool. Ben, if you're listening, come on the show. But XRT's utility man, someone that can fill in whenever asked upon, and that is Frankie Lee. Frank is heard on XRT during all different times of the day these days. This week, he was filling in for Lynn Bramer on the XRT morning show. But you've heard him in the afternoon, the evening, 10 a.m. in the morning, and even the overnight hours. So we're going to be talking with Frank about what it's like to be the utility man of XRT, how to respond when called upon, how to be a fill-in to do someone else's show as yourself. And we'll also take a journey, of course, into the strange because Frank is the science maestro here at WXRT. If you haven't done so yet, subscribe to Inside the Archives on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review, and find a full catalog of every single episode that we've released thus far. Plus, if you'd like, you can follow me on Twitter at Marty Rosenbaum, and be sure to follow 93XRT on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at 93XRT. Joining me now on Inside the Archives is the world's most active retiree, Frankie Lee, who is in for Lynn Bramer this week, December 10th, and until today, Wednesday, when we're recording this podcast, filling in for him on the XRT Morning Show. Frank, welcome. Welcome. Yeah, you can only yell at the kids to get off your lawn <laughs> so often, then you yeah. got to go back to work. I was going to ask, what's your uh, when, when when you're not on air, what do you what do you do to keep keep time? Um, a variety of things: walk the dog, scowl, think. Read short science fiction stories, typical stuff. You know, yeah, typical retiree. What, what you're doing when you're free time, anyway, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you were filling in for Lynn this week, and we, we recorded a podcast a couple months ago. And when we were done, you came up with a great idea, but we were so podcasted out at that point, we couldn't possibly record another podcast because doing two in a day is just insane, right? Yeah, absolutely. You came up with an idea of doing a show about filling in for someone else's show where you are essentially su- the substitute you're filling in for a dj who may be on vacation sick whatever other reason sounds like a nightmare <laughs> <laughs> but you gotta you have you have to do their show as yourself but kind of as them so today's episode is going to focus on being the fill-in what it's like to fill in for another dj doing another radio show while still retaining your personality so i guess the best place to start is you're filling in on all different day parts, so you're not just the morning show filling. You've been overnight, afternoon, pretty much whenever called upon. How do you prepare for a show based on the day part, filling in for the DJ who's normally assigned during that time period? Right. Well, since you're right. Since I retired, I've actually done every possible day part, which is what they're known as in you know FM radio. 
uh, here on XRT. I've done uh, the overnight show uh, a couple of times. Uh, mostly I fill in for Lynn, but, you know, every other possible shift uh, I've done. And, you know, it's kind of an interesting position to be in, to be the fill-in, you know, performer. On a side note, ironically, it's we're doing a podcast, which is, you know, one of the most famous substitutes for other people was Invasion of the Body Snatchers, right? Where yeah. duplicates would come out of those pods yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with terrifying results. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a movie that's been remade many times, but the I think the best one is the first one because the subsequent ones tend to be more grim, A, and B, they have downbeat endings. Yeah. Which can happen when you fill in for someone, too. <laughs> <laughs> you never know where it's going to end up. But, you know, I mean, I ideally, I think in at a radio station, um, you would want like a utility person like they have in baseball, someone who can play every position. And really most, you know, baseball players could probably fill in at every position if they had to just because they've played baseball their whole life. But I think ideally at a radio station, you'd want a full-time person who would be the substitute DJ. Um, but that usually doesn't work out. Usually they take someone from another day part and then put them into a different day part, and then they do someone else's show. Right. Um, but uh, filling in for someone, you know, ideally to prepare, you want to listen to the other DJ show. So you get kind of familiar with uh, not necessarily the way they sound because you don't you know you sound like yourself. You don't want to copy someone else, uh, but you at least get the routine of the things that happen on their show. Um, you know, when I filled in for Emma Mack or Lara Monday, for example, on the overnight show, um, that's you know a different audience you have than when you do the morning show. Uh, the overnight show tends to be kind of a captive audience, people that are. Um, you know, doing something else, I don't know, night watchmen, you know, working the graveyard shift, and then they'll have the radio on for like a company in the background. So you could pretty much do anything you want, and they're <laughs> not going to change the station. Uh, and in the morning show, filling in in the morning show, or even like an afternoon drive, uh, you've got people that are doing things that really require all their attention. So the radio is once again on in the background while they, you know, go about getting ready to go to work, or they're driving, you know, to work or driving back from work. And um, there's more of a change in the audience. You know, your biggest potential audience is in the morning and then probably secondly in afternoon. Um, the tricky thing about filling in for another DJ is it's kind of like singing harmony a little bit. Um, I think David Crosby might have said this once when I had him on my show. Uh, if you're going to sing harmony with someone, you want to kind of imitate them a little bit. Um, but not exactly, that's where the harmony comes in. So filling in for another DJ, um, first off, uh, here at XRT, you know, when you're a DJ at a major market radio station, like in Chicago, that's like the pinnacle of being a DJ. It's like becoming a journeyman in the trades, mm -hmm. like electrical or plumbing. Right. It's like you know learning to be a janitor and knowing how to use the mop correctly, which is much harder than you might think. Or you know, getting a PhD, you know, getting your detective shield, things like that. Yeah, you've reached the top of the mountain at you that have. point. And you, you know, as uh, morning show producer Chris pointed out, you really shouldn't think about that because it'll freak you out. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> scary. <laughs> now, thought. when I look out over the city of Chicago from our tenth floor vantage point, I kind of think I'm like a radio god. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and those are my subjects. <laughs> um, but anyway, getting back to filling in for someone, one of the it, it's it's kind of a tricky thing because sometimes the fill-in DJ at a radio station 
might not be happy with that position. Right. They might want a different position. They might want to work a different show. Right. And so they might use the fact that they're filling in for a DJ who's on vacation as a way to get that shift for themselves. Yeah. And that was, that was an interesting point because there is a balance there that you have to have between retaining your own personality while also not attempting to take over the show. And you see it in all types of fields. I'm sure uh, stand-ins on Broadway shows do the exact same thing where the lead actor or actress calls off sick that day. You got to come in and this is your one shot where you really have the largest audience that you might not otherwise have, but you also don't want to completely overtake them and make it so obvious that you're trying to get their spot. You know, throughout throughout your career, because you're at an interesting point right now where you can, you've, you've already established your personality, who you are, your audience is well-versed in uh, your interests and your musical taste as well. But going back through your career, you know, how did you balance that desire to attain that full-time spot, you know, whether it was your afternoon shift or doing a morning show with filling in for someone and having it sound like their show? What's What, what does that balance look like? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, I remember when I finally got a regular daytime shift here at WXRT. It was like one of the highlights of my life. And um, I took a vacation. It was a while. And the DJ who filled in for me did this very elaborate um, show where he did, you know, extra things from his own mind. Mm-hmm. And it was obvious he was like trying to get my show. And I, you know, sat at home and listened and I was just, you know, really freaked out. I mean, this guy is trying to get my job. The one that I had spent so many years to try to get. Mm-hmm. And it really, really made me very angry and upset. Anyway, so if you're going to fill in for someone, don't do that. <laughs> I mean, there's a competitive nature, so I mean, it's kind of encouraged in some ways, yeah. right? I mean, if a, a program director or a general manager would hear someone fill in and they think that person is a better DJ, well, then it's going to be a fait accompli. They're going to you know, put them in that position, which to me seems kind of unfair. But you know, that's always, if you're going to do it in a ethical way, in my opinion, you want to uh, say a lot that you're filling in for whoever it is you're filling in for. Uh, that's very important. You don't want to do any kind of elaborate scheme or bit or skit that the person you're filling in for would not do. Um, and you want to view yourself as a caretaker, you know, for that particular show. Um, I'm in for him today or her today, and I, he'll be back or she'll be back next week, you know, whatever it might be. Um, you know, I've, I've listened to people fill in for my show before and they didn't say they were filling in for me. And that makes always made me a little bit nervous. Right. They may have just forgot. Right. Or right. did they? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, so the XRT morning show is a great example about certain bits that each show does. Lynn does Lynn's bin. Right. Um, and that's a pre-recorded segment. So that can still run whenever he's on vacation or yes. not doing his show. But you, for example, you had the Liet's introduction, which I always look forward to just to hearing their voices and then what you had to say following their introduction. How does how do, how do you retain your own specialty bits? Do you bring those to other programs? Do you still try and replicate that host bits? Um, for example, if Lynn's decided to do as Lynn's been live, would you try and replicate that to give the audience that continual content segment? Or do you leave that straight to Lynn? Uh, I would leave that to Lynn. Um, if 
you know, if I did, you know, get the morning show gig, I would probably have to do something similar to that. Because um, the morning show, you know, the, the XRT morning show is a lot different than the other parts of yeah. the uh, station. It's got a lot of moving parts to it. Yeah. A, you have to work with someone else, you know, Mary Dixon, who fortunately I've worked with before. She used to do the news on my afternoon show. So we have developed a rapport over the uh, years. We've done a lot of crazy things together. Yeah. <laughs> so that works out really well. And then the morning show also has a producer, Chris Swake, who um, uh, does a great job. He's there. He really helps, um, you know, guiding me in a Lynn Bramer type way uh, through the XRT morning show, which I've, you know, I filled in for Lynn for about 10 years now, I'd say, on the morning show. And so I got a pretty good idea of how it works. Mm-hmm. I'm not um, trying to take over the XRT morning show because you'd have to be insane. <laughs> To get up at three o'clock in the morning. No, thank you. And then be happy and perky and alert. You know, you, you can't come in and be grumpy on the morning show. You right. got to be like a lay awake, and everybody else is, you know, like a zombie. Right. Um. So, and you know, Lynn's personality is uh, he's he does such a fantastic job. Um. You know, I don't know how you could possibly redo Lynn's spin. Yeah. So essentially, what I do is um, kind of uh a bit of a truncated version of Lynn's show done with my own uh, interests at heart. Right. I mean, Lynn refers to me as the science officer of XRT, so yeah. I kind of pick up on that. Yeah. He kind of opened the door for me a little bit in that regard. <laughs> well, that was what our whole uh, <laughs> other podcast focused on, science fiction and space as it relates to music, which I will remind you right now, if you want to listen to that, you can subscribe to Inside the Archives on iTunes and find a full catalog of episodes that we've done, including... My previous episode with Frank, where we talked about rock and roll in outer space. That was a fun one. That was. It was my first ever podcast. This it was. Is my, this is my second, actually. Number two. I hope <laughs> this lives up to the hype that the first one did. Oh, yeah. This is this one's much better now that I've got one <laughs> under my belt. Now you get to reveal all of your secrets to our listeners. <laughs> How do you know it's really me? <laughs> <laughs> well, so what advice would you give a younger DJ, someone who is looking to break in an industry? And let's say their first role is that of a fill-in where you do get your own airtime, but it's at the expense of someone who's on vacation or has already established a show? Boy, that's a good question. I think, um, you know, if you're at that point in your career, you got to go for it. You got to do the best job you can. I think you can do a really good job, but without threatening the person, you know, without um, actively trying to sink the DJ that you're filling in for. Just be the best DJ you possibly can, and then you have to leave it up to the powers that be, the program director, like I said, or the general manager. And if they pull the plug, I mean, you're going to feel bad, but that's just the way it is. That's the way it is in business. Right. And I think, you know, there's, um, I don't think you're being unethical in that regard if you do that. In other words, someone gave you that show and they expect you to do a good job. You're not going to go on and do a bad job right. just so that the other person will look good. You got to do the best you can. Well, radio is a unique medium because people are so associated with certain voices at specific parts of the day, you know, like you in the afternoon slot for so long, um, Lynn in the morning, Terry following Lynn, that when there's any straying from that path, it immediately raises people's ears because, hey, this isn't the familiar voice that we had. Yeah. What, what kind of challenges do you see from either, you know, younger DJ who is trying to break into ground and establish their own voice or even someone like yourself who has to fill in during multiple day parts um, to keeping those people's attention who may be turned off by the fact that you're not Terry or you're not Richard Milne. 
Yeah, no, that's definitely part of the charm of XRT is the people have been here for so long. I mean, we're kind of like the Pope in some ways, you know, <laughs> like lifetime position. We have our own mobile vehicle too. <laughs> but, you know, at the, uh, you know, we were just doing the XRT holiday jam and we got a chance to talk to a lot of the XRT listeners and that came up quite a bit. It's, uh, it, you know, they were saying things like, it's just great that you were here for my kids and my grandchildren listen to you. My, you know, grandma used to listen to you, things like that. And that kind of continuity is really important. And if you're someone that wants to get a job at XRT, like, you know, that's their dream job, which like it was for me. I used to listen to XRT before I got a job there. Um, that makes it really hard because those people just, they don't go away. Yeah. And they spend their whole career there, their whole life there in some ways. Um, so for someone like that, you're going to have to go somewhere else, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, you know, get a job in a smaller market where you're going to have to do everything and you're not going to have a lot of competition for your show. Probably you'll never be able to take a vacation, <laughs> so you'll always be on the air. Yeah. Maybe every day part, you know, these <laughs> if days. If you're lucky enough. Um, you know, so yeah, it is It is a difficult uh, job in many ways. There's so many people that want to do your job. And, you know, you go on the air and you spill your guts and you tell your innermost feelings about things. And, you know, it's it's a wonderful job, but it's kind of a terrifying job at the same time. Right. Because people seem to intimately know you, even though you've never met them before. Right. And they do intimately know you in a way. I mean, it's not like you're necessarily their friend or um, uh, you're not telling them the way they should feel. But, you know, when you open the mic, you give them pretty much what's going on inside of your head. Um, which is one of the reasons, like when you do an interview with a rock star, uh, here's this, you know, people who are obviously two strangers, really meeting for the first time. And yet the questions are not like, how's the weather or things like that. It's like, tell us about your intimate details about how you create your art. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of an awesome thing, you know, to use an overused term, uh, to be part of. And, you know, the listeners catch up on that. And when you're filling in, when you're the caretaker for someone else's show, um, you know, some react badly, some, you know, accept it. Um, you know, some people say, Lynn Bramer's on vacation again? <laughs> <laughs> well, you've what? Get, you, you've, you've gained a lot of equity because, you know, of your tenure here at XRT. So, as you mentioned before, you're like that utility player in baseball yeah. where you fill in. I mean, you filled in an all-day parts, so it's not a surprise if we're going to hear you at 2 in the morning or 2 in the afternoon. Does your audience follow you around during those times? Um, some do, but I think, you know, it's called a day part, but that's it's more than just a technical term. It's really part of the rhythm of people's lives. And I think generally um, you might share an audience, for example, between afternoon and morning, uh, because the people that listen to you on the way into work in the car or wherever are also going to keep that station on for the, the way back home. Uh, the midday show is, I think, a different audience. That could be people at work. I mean, it could be the same people. Uh, nighttime, people who are probably out and about at night, you know, going to some entertainment thing. Uh, you know, in a city like Chicago, though, it's really, you know, a city that does not sleep. It's yeah. like New York. I mean, I came in at 4 o'clock in the morning today, and it was like the Indy 500 on the Eisenhower. Yeah. A lot of people. It wasn't bumper to bumper, but it was thick. 
So there's a lot of potential audience there, even at that time at 4.30 in the morning. Yeah. Well, I, I did a podcast with Emma Mack a couple of months ago, just about the overnight, the community that is there, the audience that she's built up. And that was one of the first things she said is she was so surprised by how many people are up during that hour, whether they're working, whatever it is they do with their lives, there's a sizable audience that you can relate to. So let's, let, let's, I want to, I want to hear your take on the overnight uh, slot because it really is an interesting time period where the library opens up, you get to play a lot of songs that may not be heard at other times of the day on XRT. What are a, some of your favorite parts of doing the overnight shift when you're filling in and B what music just you get totally psyched about playing because you don't get to play it at any other time of the day. Well, I think like art rock is great at the, on the overnight show, you know, where you can play like a long suite of tunes or, um, you know, not necessarily more obscure, more album type cuts. Um, because like I said, you know, when you're, if you're working the graveyard shift, it's a very difficult place to be in because you're working, even though there are a lot of people, you know, that are doing the same thing you are in a city the size of Chicago, you're still really counter to the way reality is set up. Um, You know, it's five days a week, weekends off, uh, nine to five. But, you know, if you're working, you know, midnight to 5.30 a.m., which is the overnight uh, show with Emma Mack and also Lara Monday and Bill Artlip and and a few other people, um, you're really uh, in a special type of zone that uh, is, you know, you do have a bit of a a camaraderie uh, with people like that. Um, You know, generally, I I always think of like the night watchman Mm -hmm. listening to the radio in the background and then he hears like a noise somewhere. (laughs) They're always the guys that get it in the science horror movies, right? Throws the radio to the side. I better go investigate that weird noise in the dark corner. Yeah. Never ends well either. (laughs) No. Flashlight. Ah! The giant (laughs) pincer gets him. Um, So, yeah, playing, uh, in my opinion, there should be no restrictions at all on the uh, music you'd play on the overnight, but (laughs) that's just the DJ coming out in me. Do you think that could work during other day parts? Um, I think so. I don't see why not. I mean, there's just so much music at this point. I mean, just because rock and roll has been around for so long, the library is just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And it's almost all good. Yeah. I mean, if you get to make a record for a major label, just think about how many records there are like that. That's also reaching the pinnacle of your profession. Yeah. You get a recording contract for Atlantic Records. I don't care how many years ago it was that's a big deal yeah and it still is i mean we think about how many bands we've seen pop up just within the last year at this point that have become staples on xrt and even other radio stations yeah almost like overnight sensations yeah yeah like you know getting a getting a gig at Lollapalooza for a band that's bands pray for that kind of thing right and a lot of them don't make it right and you know so that you know you know i'm not I've been a program director, so I understand, you know, the kind of, you know, political forces that they have. But, you know, just as a DJ, I probably would never play the same song twice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you certainly could do that and not even in play anything obscure. Yeah. Well, and that, that's interesting because you have been on both sides of the spectrum as a DJ and then as a program director as well. And, you know, if you're, if you're tuning into the podcast, we'll do a quick rundown of 
program director's duties is basically overseeing all of the on-air content of the radio station. Music selection, scheduling for what music happens. Now XRT is certainly a unique animal is that in that the DJs still have a lot of say in what music gets played. Yeah, they do. Um, so it's not like Which a traditional, not a, not a traditional radio station where everything is scheduled from midnight to 11.59 p.m. Yeah, and no. everything is mapped out. Yeah, that's very, very, that's really, I would say, 90% of radio stations now are like that. Yeah, and there's an interesting article that I read on the blog Stereo Gum yesterday talking about a new alternative rock radio station where what really is alternative, not even alternative rock, but where is rock's place in radio these days? Because when you talk about alternative rock, you look at, Foo Fighters, who first released music back in the early 90s, so 25 years ago at this point, or someone like Vance Joy, who's still releasing new material these days. So it's a really broad spectrum. And what can be new music doesn't have to be new in the time sense where it's released this year. Um, so seeing, as you've been on both sides of the spectrum, like we said, you know, how, how would you program this is Frankie Lee radio, you know, how do you, how would you effectively program and expose people to new music, even if it's not something that's new within the past six months where something like the Foo Fighters still considered rock and roll? Yeah. Um, well, as a program director, I would hire good DJs that like music and uh, keep on top of the new music, but uh, treasure the old. And I'd give them a lot of freedom to play whatever they want. And, you know, I might give them some general guidance. Uh, you don't want to be, in my opinion, you know, uh, the only guidance I would give them would be don't be self-indulgent uh, to the point where you're only playing for yourself. Right. That's a real danger with any profession, really. Um, you know, you have to understand that there's people that like music um, that might not appeal to you, but still might fit in the spectrum of rock music, radio or whatever, and would be valid to play. And then maybe if it was something you didn't really like all that much, you could balance it off with something that would uh, put it in the proper context. Like I played uh, on Saturday Morning Flashback this week, I played a song called Spirit of Radio by Rush, mm -hmm. which is you know a band that XRT has not really embraced, shall we say, over the years. But they're very popular. Right. You know, very popular band. And, uh, you know, I got... I think I got mostly positive response, you know, on Twitter and, you know, the other social media platforms to playing that song. Uh, some, you know, responded with incredulity, like, <laughs> holy cow, I can't believe they're playing Rush. What is this? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> uh, although I think we dabbled in playing Rush a little bit back in the day at XRT. I mean, some people, I have a, they have a misconception of the way, the history of WXRT, um, because we did, you know play a lot of different things. Yeah. And it wasn't all weird underground progressive stuff. We did play some, you know, the popular songs of the day as well. Yeah. Well, I think that's interesting on Saturday Morning Flashback where you can play an artist like Rush or a few weeks ago I heard Guns N' Roses yeah. because it was um, 1987, right. 1988 when Appetite for Destruction came out and You'd be ignorant if you said that's not a seminal rock album. It has yeah. a profound influence on the Correct. genre. Yeah. So it certainly has its place in that program, regardless of you know how we may feel playing it on XRT or how listeners may feel hearing it on XRT. I think you got to take that context into it, especially with a program like Flashback. Yeah, someone once said Axl Rose cruises 
at a place where other singers strive to get to. That's a great, great line. Right. And I mean, it's true. Uh, I think that was Robert Criscow, by the way, that said that, the famous rock mm-hmm. critic. You know, so you had to give them that. And they were extremely, hugely popular. Um, but, you know, just a quick aside on Saturday morning flashback, I would say there's no good or bad years in music history. There's always good music uh, in every year, even before recorded music. There was, you know, some troubadour that was really good and maybe one that was not so good. Yeah. Uh, it just had to know where to find it. So it's diff- you know, it's difficult for me to say this was a bad year for music. That really doesn't I don't think that's a valid comment. Yeah. Well Any- it seems that people's opinions on music ever since the first sounds were created are oh, probably yeah. differing. You guys like, stink. This K man can bang on this rock <laughs> a lot better than this guy can. <laughs> yeah, those, those are always really fruitful debates too. <laughs> the qualities of a band, whether they're Hopefully, good or not. Hopefully it ends civilly. I mean there's there does seem to be some subject subjective quality or objective quality, I mean, to mm-hmm. whether a a song is good or bad. But when you get into the nitty gritty of it, it's really it's really hard to define. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting is that article that I was talking about earlier spoke on the evolution of rock and roll, where really the only bands that finished in the top of the Billboard charts were artists like Fall Out Boy or Panic at the Disco, who embraced more of the pop sensibilities yeah. as opposed to their uh, pop rock roots. Um, but then you had an artist like Weezer, who covered Toto's Africa at first started as a joke on Twitter that just took on its own being and all of a sudden it became a real thing but it (laughs) charted really really high and it seemed to expose people to Weezer that otherwise may not have known them so you know what I I, want to get your opinion on you know how does what does rock and roll look like from there I mean you have that yeah I think that's like the answer to the question that no one was asking when is Weezer (laughs) gonna do a Toto song yeah (laughs) okay who's yeah, who exactly was wondering that outside the person? But, you know, a band like Weezer, they put out three albums in the past three years. They've been hard at work and didn't strike it big until they covered Toto. You know, the future of rock and roll, it's almost like, are you going to have to look backwards for these nostalgia like we've seen in a lot of movie remakes for, you know, rock and roll to stay relevant or at least get exposed to the masses? Because one of the arguments that this blog made was that hip hop seemed to embrace that the larger arena, so-called arena rock songs, you know, and the same elements that were found in arena rock are now found in hip-hop. Does yeah, rock no, need to go back to that? Um, yeah, it seems to be just part of the human artistic condition where things keep getting, I don't want to say recycled, you know, reinventing, that's so trite. Um, I mean, you have to, you build on the traditional stuff, but you add your own little thing to it. Uh, I think that's always going to be the case. I'm very reluctant to say, you know, we're in a stagnant period now or we're in a retro period now because there's always periods like that as part of the entire music universe every year that I've seen. Um, so I don't know, unless we're running out of melodies, you know, is that possible? <laughs> I hope not. I mean, there's it's been around for so long. Maybe, uh, no, I don't think so. I'm there's like wondering- an, I mean, what's the universe of possible musical combinations? It seems to be infinite. Yeah, I would think it's it's probably it's probably infinite. It may be weird, but it's still there. Yeah, I don't. I, that's a good question. I don't know. I I don't think so. Well, I think throughout the course of time, and this is the thing that I love about music is that you can trace its lineage or the lineage of a song or a sound so far back that it's almost like it never stops. 
you can keep digging and find something new. And then it's like, oh, this artist was influenced by this artist who then segues off into this artist and this sound. And it's like you keep on digging for this treasure, which I guess you ultimately never reach, but you discover a lot of treasure along the way that you can you can like and you know becomes becomes part of your interest. Yeah, no, that's true. That's I think that's the good thing about reality. It's infinite. And there's always going to be something new. If you ever get to the end of that, that would be horrible. Yeah. Right? If you would find, like, let's say you go down to the subatomic level and you find something that that's the end. To me, that would be the worst thing that could ever happen. Or if you go up into the universe and you come to the end of the universe, what would that even be like? Yeah. Wouldn't there be something beyond the end of the universe? You'd think. <laughs> I think the joy is in the search and yeah, the it is. curiosity. And so whenever you look to find something and to find something, it's always it's it becomes elusive, right? So you have to be elusive to be able to get at the, the your own interpretation of it. Well, I think this discussion we've we may it may sound like we've swayed off track a little <laughs> bit because we probably have a little bit, but we'll bring it back around to the initial point. Whereas I said, whereas we were just talking about the joy is in curiosity and searching for things, when you're having to fill in for someone, you know, do you, you still I feel I feel like you have to take that approach, you know, where yeah. you're not you're not searching for what makes them them. It's almost like you're searching for what makes you you, and how do you create a hybrid out of that? Yeah, you're being. I say the key is to be respectful, mm-hmm. and that doesn't. You can be respectful and still be yourself. You can be respectful of the person you're filling in for, like I said, by saying, I'm in for Emma Mack today, mm-hmm. and she'll be back whenever. And then you do your own thing. And that's really, I think, if you do that, you're fine. And then, you could, you know, you, I mean, you only have, if you're not the boss, which, you know, uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. I'll be the first to admit that, having been a boss, uh, because you have to make decisions that affect people's lives, not just their business life, but their actual, you know, family life and things like that. So you can't, you can only worry about that so much if you're not in that position. But once again, you know, be respectful of the person you're filling in for and do the best job you can. And to be a DJ, your own personality is going to come out. Right. Even if you are filling in for someone else. Right. So just accept that. And, you know, I, in that sense, you got to kind of got to let the cards fall where they may. Right. Well, and, and that's a great point. And for those of you that are listening that may be interested in pursuing a career in radio or any other type of media, you know, heed Frank's advice, what he just said. Yeah. Listen to that. Take it to heart. <laughs> that's right. Read a lot. Read. Well, Speculative fiction, if possible. <laughs> it doesn't really matter what it is, really. As I mentioned before, the previous podcast that we recorded was about rock and roll and outer space. And this is a great time to touch back on that because Greta Van Fleet is in town this week and they released an album and some music videos since we last spoke that have a lot of imagery regarding space and the cosmos and atmospheric imagery. So what do you, you know, all right. That used to be like the ghetto, right? Science fiction. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, you're so weird. Well, now it's like they're they're really embracing that, and that's what I like about them. But you know, first, the Greta Van Fleet Led Zeppelin comparisons. Yeah. What do you think about that? Um, I can definitely hear it, and even I'm sure they uh, consciously, um, just by the the I can't, the lead singer's name escapes me right now, but the way he performs live, you can obviously see him do some Robert Plantian type things 
Which, you know, a lot of bands do that because he, like, invented the front man in some ways. Robert Plant, you know, and Led Zeppelin, one of the biggest bands of all time. Uh, but they are kind of a unique band in that regard, though, where they would so heavily channel a specific group. It does happen occasionally, but, you know, and I think Robert Plant has kind of given that, given them his, you know, seal of approval whatever that would be i don't know if you get a physical thing but well, he's mentioned them in interviews where he's you know heard their music and he digs it so it's as good of a blessing as you can get yeah no i think for them it was actually a successful approach yeah and i'm really reluctant to criticize something like that because obviously they're not playing led zeppelin songs they're doing their own material yeah it's just very much informed by the music of Led Zeppelin. Like, you know, Nora Jones was informed by, I don't know, jazz music, whatever, something like that. Yeah. But they were just a little more specific about it. So the imagery that they have, that I mentioned, go on YouTube and watch the video when the curtain falls. They're in the middle of a desert and they do, there's a sun and a moon side by side and sort of like a blast off like you're on, uh, like you're in Star Wars, go, going into light speed and the stars just leave tons of trails behind. It's a really cool video. Could happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the video seems to, uh, and, and the whole imagery behind their album artwork was like that also, taking rock and roll into outer space in an old school way like you saw with a lot of the bands that we referenced in our last podcast and space rock in the 70s. Sure. Um you know, I, th- I think it's cool in exposing people to that aspect of rock and roll that may not have heard it before. Um, do you think Do you think that's something that other bands will start to take heed of and maybe reincorporate that, as we mentioned, revisiting what worked in the past, but taking on it in a new approach? That's interesting. I. It depends, I think, on the band. For example, if you're a band like, you know, that has maybe a more organic approach to things, they tend to focus more on like a common denominator that would be relationships or maybe uh, political stuff. But a band that has more of a um, uh, progressive electric, often electric approach, they would tend to uh, go more into the soaring, universal, um, infinite type things. I'm not saying that very well, but... (laughs) I don't know. Once again, I think there's every period of music has had a little bit of that in it. They've had the band that goes off into the stratosphere and the band that's been more earthy. Yeah. And the band that does both. Yeah. I mean, the Rolling Stones are a good example. They did real earthy, bluesy stuff, but they also did some science fiction stuff. Yeah. It's a mix of the abstract and the organic. Yeah. You should do both, I think. Um, and, And one of the first things I know as far as visual, like film arts are concerned, I was at the Museum of Science and Industry the other day. And they have that uh, village of yesteryear there and where they show, they have an old movie theater there where they show old movies. And they were showing uh, a version of The Christmas Carol from 1902, Hmm. which had to be one of the first films ever made. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was fantastic. You know, and they they just had a great time showing, you know, the different spirits come to confront Scrooge. And you could really see, oh, great. Now we have a way that we can show fantastic things that up to this point we could only read about or imagine in our minds. Now we can actually show how it works. And uh, that's, a good exa- that's a good way for a rock band to look at it too, I think. Right. That's, that's an interesting, an interesting outlook on things. 
So as I mentioned before, Frank was filling in for Lynn this week, all week on the XRT so Morning tired. Show. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's uh, it's almost eleven a.m. now, but it's got to feel like it's you know the end of the workday for you. So do I, I have breakfast or do I have like a more lunch type thing? At this yeah. How point? do you feel after going on a morning show? Because you are waking. I mean, what time did you wake up today? Uh, three. Actually, today I had tr- I had a bad thing. I woke up at one and I couldn't Oof. go back to sleep. That's rough. I was going to start yelling at the dog or my wife, but. I just laid there and stewed. <laughs> Thought about the ways the morning show could go wrong. Yeah, but it actually went pretty well this week. Yeah, it I sounded did. Good. Uh, I did the first uh, Monday through Wednesday for Lenny's going to be back tomorrow. Right. So, um, I think the fact that I only had to do three maybe gave me a little bit extra burst of energy. Right. Knowing that Lynn was going to be in and uh, finish the week off, but uh, it worked out well. I was really happy with it. And so once you- again, you know, I mean, it's such a a great honor and privilege to uh, help wake up a big city like Chicago. Yeah, well, you are you do a fantastic job whenever called upon. Thank you. Whatever whatever part of the day that may be. Once more into the breach. <laughs> Have you had an instance since you've been filling in where, let's say, you're getting ready for bed? You know, whatever whatever time it's like, ten o'clock at night. We'll say. Yeah. It's like you get a phone call, say Frank, Emma can't make it in tonight. Laura can't make it in tonight. We need yes. you here. Yes, I have had that happen. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> that like? Well, uh, fortunately, the t- the few times that that has happened, I've been ready to go. Good. So I was able to, like, I was either going to bed. I'm kind of on a morning schedule now just because I fill in for Lynn so often that I want to stay kind of in a morning show routine just so that when I am called upon to do it, it's not such a terrible transition uh, to adjust to the morning show because really um, the morning show, like I'd say the overnight show, is something you really have to prepare for it's hard on you physically uh once again like i mentioned you're because you're going counter to the rest of the world right you know the rest of the workaday world and you have to be almost like someone that's standing outside of that uh particular situation so you have to have kind of a special schedule to be ready to do that yeah like if you were a utility man you'd have to practice whatever being a pitcher yeah or you know, playing second base as opposed to right field. That, that's that got to be really hard, though. Having that instinctual <laughs> element to be ready to do whatever job it is, yeah. it's, it's valuable. Like you said, you almost need a full-time fill-in to be ready to go at a moment's notice. Really, if I ever own my own radio station, I would have someone like that. Or you could just have a whole team of fill-ins and keep them all on their feet. <laughs> like the Legion of Substitute <laughs> Heroes. <laughs> Color kid. Yeah. What What's your power? <laughs> Change things into different colors. Hmm. All right. We'll, well call you. The one consistent that we do have with you is that you host Saturday morning flashback pretty frequently. Now, you're not yeah. on this weekend, but you just did 1980 right. last Saturday. So if you are looking for your dose of Frankie Lee and you don't want to play, when will Frank be on there next? Catch him on Saturday morning flashback. We always He always does a, uh, a preview of the show that week, and then we'll post the playlist afterwards. So when you see... Uh, Frank talking about that on 93XRT.com. You'll know when he'll be on that weekend, and we'll post it with our programming schedule for the week as well. So You can also follow me on Twitter at DJ Frankie Lee, and I usually put my uh, schedule, you know, if I'm going to make an unexpected appearance, I'll put it on Twitter. Yeah, so that's the best way to stay up to date on Frank's latest happenings and when I'll be on the air. Or you can do it the traditional way and just never turn off XRT because he yeah. might just show up. Well, and one, one final note here. One of the things that makes it... Um, kind of easy to be filled in on XRT is because we have, you know, consistent programming. Uh, we pick our own music for the most part. So um, that's something that is true across all the day parts 
you know, and our love for music and, you know, the listeners love in return. So that's something that you can always tie into whatever shift you might happen to be doing. And it's got to make it easy when you do get those last minute calls to come fill in. Yeah, please keep those to a minimum because I'm <laughs> a little twitchy as it is. <laughs> well, we won't keep you here much longer then. So Frank, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Marty. You do a great job on your end as well. Big thanks to Frankie Lee for coming on Inside the Archives podcast. So as I mentioned during our last episode, traditionally what I've done is an in-the-news type segment where we go over the latest music news and headlines, but I decided to scrap that idea because I found that a lot of people are listening in to past episodes, so it's not really as time-centric as I thought it would be when coming up with this podcast. So what I'll leave you with is this. Head to 93XRT.com where you can find the latest music, news, and headlines. And be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at 93XRT. That way you'll be in the know about the day-to-day happenings in the music world, latest tour announcements, album releases, and other great news that we've been reporting on on 93XRT.com. So you can be in the know about what's happening in the world of music. And if you'd like, please follow me on Twitter at Marty Rosenbaum. If you haven't done so yet, give me a shout out. Let me know you're listening to the podcast. You got any questions, comments, concerns, whatever it is you want to tell me. Hey, if it's a funny joke, that'd be really appreciated. We could, we could, we could use a good joke segment on the podcast. So if you got a good joke, tweet it at me at Marty Rosenbaum, and I'll give you a shout out. Full credit to you because I'm not witty enough to come up with something original like you're bound to come up with our lovely listeners. So Once again, follow me on Twitter at Marty Rosenbaum. Let me know you listen to the podcast. And if you haven't done so yet, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. All you need to do is search the iTunes podcast library for Inside the Archives, and you'll be able to leave us a rating and a review and find a full list of every single episode that we've done so far so you can download it, listen to it on demand whenever you please, because after all, I am here for you. So thanks again to Frankie Lee for joining the podcast today. And thank you to you for tuning into the podcast and supporting Inside the Archives thus far. For 93XRT and 93XRT.com, I'm Marty Rosenbach. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.